This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. Welcome to the Paddle and Fan Podcast, the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment, where we try to improve our skills as an angler by learning new techniques or improving the ones we already know. I'm your host, Ryan Milford. Ryan, and today we have a couple morons on the show (laughs) (laughs) that are making fun of me as I try to talk. We got Brian the Killer Schiller and Josh Eldridge. I wanted to put some between your name, but I couldn't think of anything to put between there. (laughs) Trash Panda. Trash panda. So we're here on uh, bass fishing for noobs. What noobs. are we gonna talk about? Cheese. <laughs> nah, can't talk about <laughs> cheese anymore. Beat that uh, one down. Yeah. And uh, yes, yeah, so you know, one thing. What what do y'all plan on doing for your uh, tournament year. Like, Josh, you plan on doing any tournaments this year? Or... That's going to be probably a here couple, maybe a couple of them here and there, but uh, for the most part, I'm not planning on doing anything. Like, I don't have plans. Like, I don't have any picked out. So, if there's a weekend that comes up and I'm like, hey, that'd be cool to do, I'll go out and do it. But other than that, no. Brian? I know you were hard on it last year. You've talked about you're not going to be as serious about it this year. Look, do you plan on doing any of the national level tournaments this year? Any at all? Yeah, I'll do some. Um, I'm not sure which ones yet. I've kind of been rethinking that after a conversation that took place this past weekend. That's all I can oh, say. <laughs> lame. <laughs> so lame. Well, one thing. So secretive. <laughs> I mean, one, there'd one be thing. so no, no suspense if I wasn't secretive. Then you just know everything. I mean, got to keep you coming back for more, bro. <laughs> Still lame. That's the, way, that's the way the famous people do it. Yeah, right? They're like, oh, we'll just wait. My media agent will contact you. <laughs> uh, my people call your people. We'll do lunch. Right. But, but no, what, you know, I have had some questions about the, uh, the whole tournament thing. One thing is, when, okay, when you travel to another state for a tournament, do you have to buy a fishing license, or is that included in the permit for the tournament? No, you got to buy a fishing license for every state you go to. 
Okay, so that's so when you're figuring on traveling for tournaments and you're planning your year out, you definitely need to figure that into cost. And then not only that, but like look at, you know, like some states like Kansas, right? Like when I went down there last year, I think I got, I think it was like a three day or a five day fishing license. Whereas Tennessee, I knew I'd be there multiple times. So I bought a full year license. So like there's ways to kind of like navigate through that to save a couple bucks, you know? Um, but that's definitely something to consider like in, in your cost and you should definitely check all the department of natural resources, regulations and things like that. Because like, I know like certain states like like Ohio, right? They they require you to have uh, stickers on your boats, don't they, Josh? Uh yeah, we have to we have to register our kayaks like boats, but there's two versions of it. Um there's one that's like I can't remember the specific name of it, but it's like it's a non-standard one and it's like it's for 3 years. I think the cost is actually slightly more expensive. I have no idea why, because it doesn't really make sense. But it's only a few bucks more. But this, that one you put on like a kayak that you'll never motorize. Um, and then like the one I have, I have like the traditional like OH and like six, seven digits, like that you see on a lot of boats. And that signifies a boat that can still have the option of putting a motor on it. Like my wife has the, I think it's called alternative registration. And so she can never put like a, a motor on hers. And, but I kept mine with the, I don't know why. Cause at the time I was like, I'll never put one on here. But for some reason I just did the standard one. So if I wanted to put a torpedo on it, I can, and it, it doesn't affect anything. But if I was to try to do that with hers, I'd have to, I'd have to go back and probably re-register all over again or something weird like that. I think it's kind of a pain in the ass, to be honest. I'm not sure. No, I'm guessing that there's a price difference between the two. There is, but it's not significant. I think one was like 25 and the other one was 21 or something weird. It didn't make sense though. Cause you would think that they might charge you more for the option to be able to put a motor on your boat, but it's actually the other way around. Really? Huh. Interesting. That's, That's some just... of the dumb shit that Ohio likes to do. So, is that a one-time thing or a yearly thing? Or it's every three years. Every three years. Yeah. That's interesting. Here in Tennessee, you know, if you don't put a motor on it, you don't have to put any kind of sticker or register or anything like that. The only time you have to deal with any of that is if you put a motor on it then you have to register it and put the the numbers on the side like a boat and all that yeah that's the same in illinois too illinois and wisconsin are the same the only time you have to do that is when you go from human power to electric or gas power now so i i've never took a boat over state line and i don't use a a motor on my kayak so do you have to like does that if you take your kayak that you have registered in your state for a motor to another state 
it, is it legal with that or yeah yep yeah as long as you have it registered or whatever i mean i guess you could probably possibly run into an issue but i if if like that state doesn't um or it's like say you came to ohio and you guys don't have registration numbers on your boats you could potentially get stopped and they'll probably check your id or something like that and you'll be like explain like well well, we don't have to register our boats they may could be possibly buttheads about it and say hey you know you can't be out here then if you don't have like your boat registered or something but i'm not 100 percent sure i know brian you didn't really you well no you yours was registered because you had you had stickers on yours from having that trolley motor when you brought your bonafide here so you didn't run into that but I uh, we didn't run into any ODNR guys when Jay was here he probably didn't have stickers did he no no yeah. I, I mean they'd probably be cool about it and be like hell we don't have the same law you know but I mean if they wanted to they could probably say something but you know I don't think that most you know, DNR guys are going to say anything for the most part like that. You know, especially if you show them your license and stuff like that, and they know what the guidelines in Illinois are versus Ohio. So, you know, you talking about his old boat made me think of something. You know, I, I didn't know a whole lot of big kayak brands before I started listening to podcasts. And this was one of the first podcasts I I ever listened to. So, Bonafide, I've always known as Bonafide because of Brian. It's Bonafide. Here lately, here lately I'm, I mean, Luther himself calls it a Bonafide. So. It's Bonafide. <laughs> I say Bonafide, <laughs> too. I say it because I've heard Brian say it so many times. Did you start that trend, or did, did you get that from somebody else? <laughs> I think it's one. I think it's one of those things. Like, depends what part of the country you're from and how you pronounce words. <laughs> you know, it tomato, is. tomato. Or podcast listen to. Potato, potato. I mean, dude, Ryan. There's about what 500 words that you pronounce differently than <laughs> us northerners. So, here we go. My my favorite Ryan saying is, "I'm just making it, man." <laughs> just over here trying to make it, man. Just I've been catching myself saying that, dude. <laughs> Somebody be like, what's up? And I'm like, just over here trying to make it, man. <laughs> You're starting a trend, dude. Nothing same thing. wrong with it. It's the same thing. <laughs> See, now I got catchphrases I didn't even know I had. But Yeah, dude. <laughs> I love it. I, mean, I was just wondering if you started that trend, because I've been hearing a lot more people saying it like that here lately. I don't, I don't know, dude. That's just the way I've always, always said it. That's how uh, I say it. Yeah. That's how uh, I say it, Brian. I think it's just one of those things where it depends how you interpret it. I don't know. I think it sounds better bonafide. Bonafide. Yeah, it's just, it's got some oomph behind it. <laughs> you know. But yeah, it, I mean as far as like traveling state to state, like the biggest thing is is just checking DNR regulations. I mean, you could come up here from Tennessee with your boat and you wouldn't have to do anything. Um, you know, as long as, like, if you had the motor, um, it would have to be registered in Tennessee. But if you were just coming up to paddle, you know, um, 
still in the water and go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and like Josh said, I mean, I fished Ohio with him. I, I didn't have stickers on my boat. I did have registration mailed in. So, like, the way that works, because I think, Josh, you guys just go to the DMV, right? And you get yeah. all your stuff right there. So the way they do it in Illinois is you fill out a form, you mail it in with like a money order or a check or something like that. And then um, you get your sticker and stuff. Usually takes like, um, I think it's like 60 to 90 days. So like two to three months. Um, You know, lovely state of Illinois. We're just so fast to do things around here. Um. You're fast at issuing toll tickets, though. <laughs> really fast. <laughs> I told you to pay online, bro. Told you uh, to pay online. You didn't listen. But, um, you know, so as long as I got my paperwork on me and I go to, for say, Tennessee, like, and I get stopped by uh, Tennessee Department of Natural Resources or whatever, um, I'll be fine, you know, because I got it registered in some way. So it's just, you know, like I said, it it varies from state to state. But, um, yeah, going back to, like, the original question, you know, yes, you would need to uh, get a fishing license for whatever state you're in. And then not only that, but, like, I think in Tennessee, right, you got to get a trout stamp if you're going to fish trout streams and stuff like that. Oh, I'm not 100% of that because I recently uh, fished a small stream uh, because I saw a bunch of bass in it. You know, it's real shallow, uh, two or three foot in the deep spots. So, and you could see everything. I saw a bunch of bass, so I was fishing it. And uh, the TWRA agent pulled up and came and talked to me, checked my license and everything. I don't have a a trout stamp. I'm a tramp stamp. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have That's a trout still yet stamp. to be determined. <laughs> Somebody has a uh, bona fide one now. You sure but, you guys want to open this can of worms? <laughs> I mean, you better watch yourselves. Uh, it's all Anyways. Fun. I don't have a trout stamp, and apparently, pretty much exactly where I was fishing um, was where they released a bunch of trout. That's like their spot where they released them. Gotcha. And so he was asking me about that. I think he 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 didn't like ask to see or whatever, but I think he was kind of looking to see what kind of lure I was using. But uh, yeah, he was cool about it. He's like. Just know, you know, if you ain't got a trout sticker, you can't like harvest any trout. I'm like, I don't plan on right. keeping anything. You know, I'm just catching release. But uh, so you know, he didn't give me a hard time. But yeah, well, I just bring it up because, like, you know, I know, um, like here in <clears throat> Illinois, if you're fishing like Michigan, you were going for trout and salmon, you have to have a, a trout and salmon stamp uh wisconsin's the same way like if you're fishing great lakes uh for trout and salmon you have to have a stamp for that and then if you were gonna go fish some of the trout streams in southwest wisconsin you have to have a 
whole different stamp for that. Now, most states, like the general fishing license, covers bass. So if you're just going bass fishing, you know, mm-hmm. um, you, you'd be good with whatever, you know. And usually, um, like the five-day or the three-day or one-week fishing license, um, that'll cover those other species because you're just paying a general price for for a few days and you won't need that added stamp. So that's something to consider. Like say you were going to, uh, just throwing this out there, but like um, say you were going to Colorado and you got a five day license, but you were going to fish bass three days and trout two, like that five day license will count for trout fishing. I think you have to pay extra here in Tennessee. I think that's what it is, too. I looked at it once, and that's why I brought it up. Um, But, yeah, it's just something to consider. Like, if you were doing, like, a multi-day trip and you figured, oh, maybe I'll throw some trout fishing in one day just to, like, change it up a little bit. Um, But I think that's an interesting topic that doesn't necessarily get talked about in kayak fishing. Like, the whole rules and regulation thing, I think it's just, it's, it's a lot of times assumed. But, you know, people that may have never ventured out from, like Ryan, never meant, like, ventured out from Tennessee, you know, to go fish other bodies of water, um, you know, because you got to think, too, like, you're only fishing the tournament, uh, you know, what, one or two days, but you're going to be there pre-fishing. So, you know, those days you're pre-fishing, you're not exactly covered, you know, so to speak, or whatever, if it, if it for instance, was the way you were thinking it was. Um, so, but no, good, good question there, man. I, I know, I know we have to pay extra for a, uh, a trout permit. So I assume non-residents have to do so as well, but yeah, I was actually looking at it earlier. I just pulled it back up. Our, you know, small game and fishing combo is $33. For a tr- a trout permit is an extra twenty one dollars. Yeah, and uh, it's probably also the it, reason probably that added kind of higher cost in your mind is because they have restocking programs. Yeah, as to where like you know your traditional game fish like bass or pike or whatever aren't going to be stocked. So that well, that probably funds the programs to be able to raise trout and release them in the wild. So right. It's even it's true and not true because like there there's still lakes that get stocked with bass and things like that. Yeah. But it's just not in the frequency in the amount that the trout, trout are raised. Yeah. And trout trout are extremely delicate fish where they're super sensitive to like water temperature and oxygen in the water. So it costs a lot to breed those fish because you're constantly keeping water temperatures so like for instance uh we were talking about this uh i think it was this past weekend um down at the indie show like you go to all these fishing shows and you see the trout pond right and every single trout pond has some kind of fountain in it and that's because it's churning the water and creating more oxygen in it and not only that but that water that they're cycling is getting cooled because if that water got up to room temperature, all those trout would die. Yeah. So, well, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead, man. 
Well, I was just going to say, because trout are primarily like a cold water fish, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Like, it, out of the trout species, like, the three most common, you got uh, brown trout, rainbow trout, and brook trout, right? And then there's skews off of all those. Like, like a steelhead is actually a rainbow trout, but it's like a, a, a big lake rainbow trout. So, yeah. like, when you're fishing Lake Michigan and you catch a big rainbow, it's actually considered a steelhead. Um, but out of those three, a brown trout can survive more harsh conditions compared to the other two. Well, see, uh, when I was talking to that TWRA agent, he he was asking if I had seen any trout because they had just released some, like, two weeks beforehand. And, uh, and I said, I hadn't, and he's like, well, they're probably all gone now. The people probably don't fish them all out. And so that made me curious. I'm like, well, one, you know, it's probably hard for trout to survive down here in Tennessee if they're primarily a cold, cold water fish, because the water, you know, I, I think we've been in water temp like i think the lowest it's gotten is like maybe in the 40s you know usually it's it's, it's been pretty warm and summertime it's going to get even even worse so but it i you know i was wanting to i was thinking about trying trout fishing this year but if in two weeks all the trout that they released are supposed to already be gone is it worth me spending that money on on something that I might not even get to do because you know timelines might not line up? Well, my I would say if you have an interest in doing it, definitely try. Um, like trout are very like they like current like smallmouth do. Man, they they get they they probably actually spend more time like in direct current than what you would see for a smallmouth. Isn't that right, Brian? In a sense, especially if you're fishing like rivers. Um, and so, for an example, here in Ohio, right, we're more north of you. Now, when I was in Tennessee this past summer, I've learned that there's a lot of trout in the river systems down there, and probably the reason why ryan isn't necessarily about your air temperature as much as it is like true natural spring-fed colder water temperatures is what they survive well and it doesn't really necessarily make a difference of what that air temperature is because those you guys have like super nice clean cool water overall in general like so you're in east tennessee right yeah, yeah yeah but i mean it's just you know, it's if they're stocking them there, they're probably they probably do well there. You know, like we have a we have a river here in southwest Ohio. There's one river where you might catch one somewhere else, but it's kind of difficult. But we have one river that I went for the first time like two winters ago, went in there and caught like 10 uh, brown trout. First time I've ever been just using inline spinners, dude. Never had an idea what it was doing. And the reason why is that river is a natural spring fed river and it stays generally colder year round than what, uh, like the great Miami or little Miami, it's called the mad river. And like, 
But if you fish like the southern section of the Mad River, you really kind of won't find them. You might run into one occasionally that might come downstream, but you have to actually go further north section of this river to find them. And they stock them in there. Um, you know, it's there. It's not like some obviously crazy awesome trout stream by any means, but um, <clears throat> they do survive in there. You know, occasionally somebody will pull a big one out of there, and it's pretty cool. You know, it's it's healthy enough that they'll survive. I don't know what like the mortality rate probably is. It's probably, it's probably a little on the higher side, but there is probably a lot of people that be, that are harvesting them out of there as well. So, but yeah, dude, like for like when we were down in, um, pigeon forge and you know, that area like that, I remember going over and they're like, yeah, if you're into trout fishing, you got to get it, get in, in those streams out there. And I'm like, that looks like primary smallmouth habitat, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, uh, you're, you're pretty spot on. I, I know East Tennessee has a lot more trout streams, but there's a lot of mountains out there. Yeah. Yeah. But so like here in Illinois, we got, they do the same thing. They release a bunch of trout and they'll do it usually in, uh, I think it's like the first weekend in April this is a trout opener. And they usually get fished out. Um, but it's kind of a good thing because, I mean, you'll have some that lurk around. Like, I remember I caught one with Jay late in the year um, this past uh, this past year because, um, you know, they'll release them in April when the water's still cold. They'll survive till they get pretty much caught out. But there are some spring-fed areas um, and some some cooler watering holes, so to speak, where those fish can survive, um, where there's plenty of oxygen rolling through there. Um, so, I mean, I don't think it's it's too far off. Like, you know, depending if that river you were fishing was spring-fed or not would probably determine, like, if those trout could survive. Um, but more than likely it's, it's, it's just cold right now because it's cold down there. Um, and eventually, you know, when that water does warm up, um, those, those trout could eventually die because of that, but you know, more than likely they'll get caught before then. Yeah. But you say it's cold down here. It was like almost 70 degrees yesterday. (laughs) That, that, that's the oh, <laughs> right. That, that's the first day we've had like that in a long while. But he's like, man, it was freezing. It was fifty out today. <laughs> Brian's like, yeah, it was negative ten. Yeah. His house. No. Yeah. Actually, today was pretty nice. Today it got up to like thirty-eight, I think. But it felt like forty-five. <laughs> but I mean, this past weekend down in Indy, man, it got really warm. It was like fifty-something down there. I was like, man, why am I in a show right now? I should be fishing. Man, when uh, Saturday when I was fishing, you know, the high was like 50 degrees, and I'm out there in my coveralls and hoodie and two pairs of socks. Man, I would have been running around in shorts and T-shirt, man. Just over here trying to make it, man. So... uh. Can we end this episode already? No, no. Oh, but no, that did that does make me think of something. You know, I'm I'm stoked right now because of my fishing experience this past weekend. 
Yeah, man. As, as y'all seen, you know, I caught me a, a decent fish. It was my first swim bait fish. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, I was really proud of myself for, like, putting the puzzle pieces together and yeah. finding this. Um, I, I know, I, I think I told y'all about it. I don't, you know, listeners more than likely haven't heard about it, but, you know, we were, we, I went out with my dad and my buddy on my dad's boat and, uh, his fish finder hasn't been working on his boat. So we're basically just guessing where this fish are going to be. And, uh, you know, it was starting to warm up a little bit and we, we saw the stream coming down into the lake and, you know, it was just little shallow stream flowing in and we started thinking about it. Like, you know, it's getting the sun's warm. I bet that water's probably warming up and, and on top of that, the stream's probably bringing bugs and stuff into the water. So they're probably going to be over there getting that warmth and feet, getting an easy meal. So we go over to the stream. The stream's like two and a half foot wide. So three of us are all three casting right there. I'm, I'm casting right in front of that stream. And I'm throwing the swim bait and just slowly working it. And all of a sudden, I, I don't feel a bite. You know, I've, I've heard people talk about how when they're cold, they'll just kind of pick it up. I guess that's what happened because all I felt was just start pulling on the line. I, I never felt like a hit and I set the hook and brought it in. I'm guessing it was about a four and a half pounder. And, uh, yeah, if it, it was cool catching that fish cause it, you know, it's a decent fish, but it was really cool. Like putting that puzzle together to figure out where they were going to be at. Yeah, man, I, I was pretty, pretty happy for you when I saw the message come through. And, you know, I think I've told you before, like, you know, going back to, you know, when you did your first podcast and you can name off every fish you caught and like, yeah, like a five year span compared to, you know, the latter half of last year um, up until now, man, like, you know, you don't even know how many fish you caught and you've caught a lot of really nice fish dude and i think i think it's really starting to click with you you know like all right i see this i see that i should do this and that and you know you put you put it together and um it's cool man it's exciting and i think you know not only that but i think i've seen some listener feedback too like come through where it's like man like and, and even this past weekend, um, you know, down at the indie show, I met a few listeners. Um, you know, it uh, it was interesting, man. Like a lot of people were like, "Thanks for what you guys do." Like, it really helps me a lot. Like, I'm new to kayak fishing, stuff like that, and um, I just gained so much knowledge from it, you know, and which was great. Like that made me really happy because that's why we all do this. Right. You know, so, and you know, we don't do it just for the audience. We do it for ourselves too. You know, like, I mean, I contribute some of my success to talking to other anglers and things like that. I mean, you know, that's why we have the whole networking aspect of, of what we do. You know, it's, 
you know, networking and chatting and talking with different anglers and manufacturers and, you know, product companies and things like that, man, like, you know, it's, it's a good way to grasp and pull from every little aspect and then kind of create your own thing and, and see it come to life, man. It's really cool. So super happy that like, it's funny, man. Like, I, I mean, I won't lie, dude, you know, when I heard your first episode, I'm like, man, this kid needs some help. <laughs> like <laughs> both with podcasting and fishing. <laughs> well, no, just, just on the fishing end. Right. Like, you know, cause I see a lot of people, um, in, and this is, uh, I'm not trying to make fun of you or slam you in any way, man. But like, I think a lot of people that try to get into fishing, um, have that similar, um, kind of success pattern that you had for the first few years where they're not really catching anything. They get really frustrated. They're trying to figure it out. And, and then they end up just throwing the rods in the corner of the garage and forgetting about them and not picking them back up again. Um, whereas on the other hand, like yourself, you, um, set the rods down, picked up a microphone. Cause you're like, man, I got to start talking to people so I can figure this out, dude. And I mean, kudos to you, man. Like that takes a lot of balls just to get behind a microphone and be like, Hey, I, I don't know nothing about fishing, but I want to learn, you know? So that's cool, man. And I think with that aspect being said, I think that's why people love your segment, dude, because they relate to you. Like, you know, you're asking the questions that they have in mind, you know, and I think that's one thing that we all talked about when we talked about bringing on bass fishing for noobs was like, this is a great idea that Ryan's doing. Like, you know, there's a lot of people just getting into fishing right now, whether they're 38 years old, uh, 60 years old or 15 years old, you know? Um, and, and we touched on that with Dusty. I touched on that with Dusty Yacker the other night on the live stream. Like, you know, he's like the amount of information that's at our fingertips now, um, is just absolutely unbelievable in, in ways to catch fish, where to fish and things like that. So I don't know, man, it, it, it's cool, man. I was totally happy for you. Sorry. I went on a long rant there, but no, I think it was good. something that needed to be said dude i mean you should be proud of yourself for sure not only the fact that you're putting it together but i think you have a big group of people out there that you don't even know about that are just starting to put it together at the same time with you because of you you know what i mean so that was my pat on the back for you bro well i I appreciate it and to kind of go along with that you know it felt pretty good earlier um on the paddle and fin instagram page yeah, I'm not sure which one of the guys did it, but one of them took the my picture of that fish I caught this weekend and posted it on there. And uh, we had somebody comment on it. And how they like how I'm like completely honest about my inexperience with stuff. And, you know, that's something that I've, you know, I think I've talked about it before on here is, you know, how how hard it is for me to admit that like sucking at something, you know, how swallow my, how hard it was like swallow my pride and it'll do this. But it's, it's after I've done that, it's been awesome. 
I've gotten to talk with a bunch of cool people and <coughs> learned so much that I wouldn't have learned yeah. if I wouldn't have said, okay, I need help with this sure. and got advice. No, absolutely, man. Everybody wants to be a Mike Iaconelli, Jacob Wheeler, you know, one of the Guggen Squad kids, you know, Scott Martin, Bill Dance, you name it, you know. Slide but. Dog. But uh, sorry, but uh, um, but I think a lot of people, uh, you're just you're spot on, dude. A lot of people fake it till they make it, right? Is is kind of the deal, and you've been one hundred legit, one hundred percent legit and real about your experience, and it's cool, man, because. What's funny is like end of next season, I'm calling like Milford's going to be slaying some bass, dude. Like throughout this so. season here, I, I see you really clicking and picking up on things. Um, and, and and you'll just go out there and you'll, you'll slam it, dude. You'll catch a bass from underneath Josh's kayak. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I don't know. He don't like fishing with me anymore. <laughs> fish with you once um, never again but what's cool is you can go back now um and listen to like your first episodes and be like man what was i thinking you know but you could see that journey and how your experiences and the knowledge you gain have transformed you into the person you become um or the fisherman you become um because I do that, you know, like I go back, listen to like the first episodes. I'm like, man, this is so bad. Like, the hell was I talking about? And now I could pretty much spout off like, you know, any kayak spec name, probably a hundred different like sticks in the kayak tournament field and all that good stuff. You know what I mean? So it's cool, man. I mean, you're, you've, you're, you've basically documented your uh journey through this little thing we call fishing and i think you may not realize how much you appreciate it now but you know a year from now five years from now i think you'll be able to look back on it and be like that's probably one of the coolest things i ever did yeah it's it's pretty awesome man like like i was actually thinking about it the other day and after you said that i just did it like i wanted to download the episodes that I did. You only did like three episodes of my own podcast before y'all brought me on the paddling fin. But is that good ice? You, you enjoying mm -hmm. that? You got a mouthful of Sorry. ice right now. Do you have a brain freeze? I hope so. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I want to uh, go back and listen to like those first couple episodes I did on like when I was still on my own and. I know they're going to be terrible. I, I had like no clue what I was doing for the most part, you know, just getting started, but it's going to be interesting. I'm going to go back and listen to those at work. Yeah. Listen to them, man. I think you'll be surprised. You'd be like, man, like I really didn't know anything or I knew very little. And now you'll be like, man, I'm freaking genius. I know so much now, <laughs> which is cool, dude. And, and obviously, 
you've you've gone into this with an open mind you've taken the conversations you've had uh the knowledge you've gained you've absorbed it and now you're going out there putting it forth in motion and it's really you know affecting you know your end result you know yeah i mean, I mean what, a month and a half ago you wanted to quit fishing and sell all your fishing gear <laughs> and get to go back. so you know uh, but that happens, not gonna dude. live that one that down happens. hey man I'm very there. frustrating day there. i think i just very. mentioned the other day anybody want to buy any fishing gear because i'm done <laughs> maybe i was just talking to josh i don't know i don't remember yeah, brian quits the podcast once a week Uh, that's, we've all that's a lot quit. nobody would listen to this podcast we didn't have brian you know we gotta have at least one famous person he's the wheelbarrow and we're all just sitting in it for the ride oh my god you guys are so <laughs> full of yourselves no we're full but, of you oh god but so but no go good ahead, all right so like to kind of go off what like ryan's talking about and Brian also is that, you know, the first couple of years, like the first time I ever went out smallmouth fishing in the river, because that's what I did mainly for a long time. I mean, I just really got into lakes last year. Um, but the first time I went out, I caught a nice, nice smallmouth, you know, um, that kind of hooked me. But dude, like after that, it, it got, it was rough, man. There was times I was out there. I'm like, why am I doing this? And, you know, and then I just kind of step back and be like, it's cause I enjoy being outside. I enjoy the experience of being outside, like and fishing kind of mixed in another passion I had, which was like backpacking and hiking and stuff like that. So getting in the water and wading around and walking through the rivers where it's just, it's wooded, it's beautiful. You know, I sit down, just kind of relax and soak that in, you know, it, it, was like kind of eye-opening i would go and i would like i would catch like you know some like tiny like two 12 inch like smallmouth or something you know and you know i'd post it up in the forum like you know like i, I accomplished something and then it was kind of funny though because i'm like i'm i'm reading this i'm like dude these guys are just they're catching huge smallmouth like what is it what is it what is it and then you just ask, you gotta ask those questions like what you know nobody's gonna give up their fishing spots you know, but what I started to do is ask the right questions. And that was, all right, well, if, what do I need to look for in the river? You know, and it, the first thing was, well, look for bends, look for a bend in the river, look for rocks, you know, get away from that muddy water. Like, you know, the cleaner the water, the better chances you're going to have. And like, and I, and I fished like different baits and I would go through periods where I would just get stuck and I would just fish that bait and fish that bait and that same bait. And I still do that to this day. Um, but what I kept, the more often that I got out of that comfort zone, the more successful I seemed to get, the more kind of chances that I took and fished new waters, the more successful I got, you know, that's, I think that's one of the things that you'll see like a new angler get hung up on is, they may have like a familiarity with like one bait or like one body of water, one little section, and then they just stick there and then they get frustrated because they're not catching anything. But, you know, one of the things you always got to realize is that fish move, they move from depths to, you know, different types of water, like, you know, and it's all based off seasonal patterns or weather patterns and that sort of thing. So like keep moving, you know, don't, don't get stagnant in like one location or one bait 
or whatever, keep kind of advancing yourself forward. You know, you don't necessarily have to go out and master a bait. You get good, you know, you'll get used to it, but take notes like of like, all right, well, here was the situation. I threw a stick bait, you know, and floated down the river and it was, the temperature was this and it, you know, it's approximately like this depth or whatever and take like mental notes. Or I know a lot of people who write that stuff down and a lot of people who tend to write it down and record it become really good anglers because they have, you know, information that they're, that's their own information too, not just hearsay in a sense. It's their information on their body of water and that sort of thing. Like, Dude, last year I learned last or yeah, last spring I learned a completely like new thing to me. And it was because I had not gone out in water conditions like that. I always sat on the sidelines when our rivers would raise and get muddy. And I, I smacked myself to this day, like, man, I missed so many opportunities to be able to go out fish and have a good day. And it's, I just, I got so, it was so bad here in Ohio and like in Illinois, like everything was just so flooded out for so long that I just got the itch so bad. I was like, screw it. I'm going out there. You know, the water wasn't dangerous, but it was still high and it was still moving. It was still muddy. And I learned something. I learned like a a pattern behavior that smallmouth have when the water's like that, you know, they were hugging up in the vegetation and the water was, wasn't clean by any means but it was cleaner next to the vegetation because the dirt actually sticks to the weeds and it was and i didn't even really notice it until i would get out of my boat and walk and i could see the dirt fall off the actual plants themselves and then i would kind of be looking and i'm like that water is slightly cleaner than what the main water is you know kicking up basically and I would have done, I, you know, I just, I took a a chance in a sense to do something different than what I was used to doing. And I think that's a key to becoming a success, successful angler is to just get out of those comfort zones, do something that you're not used to get in a place that you're not used to. You'll be surprised at some of the stuff that you'll, you know, that you'll learn by doing, you know, taking that approach at times. You know, that, that weed, the weeds and stuff, man, they act like a filtration system in the water like that. So definitely fish tend to bury themselves or hide as close to or in that stuff um, for that exact reason, man. That's that's very cool that you picked that up. And, and you know, to what you were saying about kind of just sticking with your comfort zone, you know, I've... I don't know. I, I know you stuck to the whopper plopper because you're comfortable with the, it. The see, black see, and blue jig for six going, years. Actually, <laughs> I use other colors of jigs this year. Thank you very much. Well, this but, year. But no, I'm saying before. I haven't. Yeah, black. For and the blue. most part, yeah. For the <laughs> most part, yeah. I, and peanut butter and jelly. I, I really like peanut butter and jelly. But yeah. I, y'all give me a hard time about, you know, the jig and whopper plopper and everything. And yeah, I did stay in my comfort zone there, but I was kind of at the same time building my comfort zone and kind of, you know, I've kind of gotten where I've, I've gotten decent with those techniques. This 2020, I, I do plan on branching out a little bit. I've, I've got like a little list of different lures that I'd like to like to try, like to get better with one of those being the swim bait. You know, I just caught that, 
that first fish on a swim bait and you know, I've talked to several anglers. I've talked to yourself. I've talked to uh, my buddy, Brian Andrews. I've talked to Josh Stewart. Uh, and I, I'm sure I've t- touched on it with other anglers as well. Uh, swim bait fishing. And that was the first time that I really like stuck with it and, and used it and then get was successful with it. So I'm and it's, it's seems like such a versatile bait that you can use pretty much any time of the year. It is. Um, so that's one that I really want to you know, work on getting better with this year. Another one is the Ned rig. Everybody talks about like how great they are at catching fish. I haven't caught that many off of it. I think I've caught like four fish off of Ned rig. I, I do want to, one reason why I've kind of stayed away from it a little bit is because I've lost so many getting hung up stuff. Right. Now, now since I figured out how to, how to, you know, uh, Jig Master just came out with that Ned rig head, and y'all posted the video about you know how to rig it up weedless. I'm gonna be throwing that quite a bit, and you know, hopefully, you know, I can get more successful with that than I have been in the past. Did you want to say something, Brian? Yeah. I mean, the one thing I've learned about the Ned rig is, is if you're not getting hung up and losing baits, you're not where the fish are. Yeah, or unfortunately. You, you ain't rigging them up weedless with nope. Jig Master's Ned, Ned rig head. Ned, Ned rig head. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, another one that I want to work on is the shaky head. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard, you know, Sam Jones and Brian talk about it so much. I've, I've, I want to work with that. It is, but, but tell me this, is, is there a huge difference other than the length of the worm between the Ned rig and a shaky head? Like, is it worth like going after both? You could definitely work both in the same situation, but. If they're not taking the shaky head, more than likely, if you downsize to that Ned rig, which is very small, um, you know, you may see a difference in bites. Um, you know, because the shaky head, usually it's anywhere between like four and seven inches long, whereas a Ned rig's like what, two and a quarter, two and a half, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, and then, but you got to think of a, a Ned rig, right? A TRD doesn't have any natural movement to the bait. It's just there. Yeah. And then with the shaky head though, especially if you get some of the ones that have the air in the, uh, in the tail of it, um, there it's buoyant at that point, And that part can move by itself just with like slight current in a sense. Um, so that's, that's one of the good things is like, you can, you could throw a, um, the move throw a shaky, shaky head nice and deep and like you can let it sort of soak on its own and it'll get movement you know that's that's the nice thing about that bait the ned rig's got movement it's just very subtle um <clears throat> right whereas I mean, yeah you're getting a lot more movement out of a shaky head for sure well i'm i'm probably gonna give both of those a shot this year 
one more lure that I was wanting to try. I think it was the last one I got on my list at the moment is the uh, chatterbait. I want to give it more of a try, especially now that I the what the what chatter, chatterbait. The, the what the bratterbait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but see, no, I'm I'm gonna be above Brad's level with this because he's oh. cheap. Oh, and, fire. and I, I, I went fire. all out. I went all out. I got after talking to Jody Queen. I, I got the uh, I got the jackhammers. Oh, shucky now. I don't even own a jackhammer. I own two of them. More, probably more eventually. You know, I, there's still one or two colors that I really want that I haven't gotten yet. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, so that's like what four techniques that I want to work on this year. That's a lot, man. Is yeah. it? I usually I mean, try to pick three. I usually like pick one for it's the just, whole year. Yeah, just kind of one that I'll try to concentrate on. Um, there's so much I want to learn. I like it. I'm, dude, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with having multiple ones. It's just for like me personally, like last year. Last year, I what a lot of times I'll do because I have a ton of tackle, right? Like I was, I've been doing this MTB boxing for like two years now, and so I had like jigs, I have all kinds of stuff, and the up until like two years ago, I was just I was throwing the Kyotech like crazy, and um, you know, and it was just like it it's a, it was such a successful bait, it was hard for me to put it down. But the instant that I kind of jumped over into lakes, I kind of realized that that bait is, doesn't always excel like it does in a river. Um, and, you know, the uh, other kind of aspect of it was like, man, I, I just kind of need to try some of the stuff that I have, you know, like just. And so I picked jigs and it was funny because the first time I, I decided it, it was in the river and I caught like a. 18 inch smallmouth on it it was hilarious it was like a swim jig um but i kind of went in it because the swim jig that i chose had a rattle in it and it was still when the the water was real high and muddy and so but after that you know we met up with cody and i was like hey you know what i'm gonna buy you i'm gonna buy some new jigs because the one thing i kept getting frustrated with was losing them and that was that's the other thing that i always got to kind of remember you're gonna lose fishing lures man it's if you're not losing them nine times out of 10. You kind of, you're in a bad spot. You're not, there's no cover. Everything's nice and flat. And, you know, there's just, there's not going to be any fish there. So I, you know, I had to get over that, but I kind of did want to find something though, that wasn't as frustrating as dealing with snags, you know? So I bought into the jig masters, uh, um, mantra and, you know, start fishing those. And I took them up to with Brian dude. And we just, Loved them, absolutely loved them, man, and got to see that jig excel in something that is really truly designed for. I mean, Brian has me throwing in basically, like looks like twenty, thirty foot tall trees basically underwater. <laughs> you know, you're hitting that literally. Man. I know, but I mean, we what we were fishing like twelve feet deep, right? Twelve to fifteen mainly. Yeah. And so you see these trees, Ryan, like they're, they're on the bottom and they are literally coming all the way up to about six inches below the surface of the water. 
and you could throw that jig and literally fill every branch on your way up out of the water. And it was crazy because it wouldn't get stuck. I mean, I, I lost like, I think I lost one the whole time we were throwing in it. I, I haven't lost many of those flipping jigs from Jig Masters. Which, yeah. It's because they're the bee's knees. That's right. But, you know, that's 20. Like I always picked one, I just one, you know, to kind of fish it in different scenarios. Um, I didn't kind of, I don't want to like overload. So if I, if I were you, if you're going to pick it, do like one at a time and like kind of stick with one for a couple months and then, you know, and try to look at it this way, do some research and say, okay, well, which one's going to work and which, you know, season better, you know? Um, you don't have to necessarily like limit yourself to that season, but see, be like, you know, all right, is the chatterbait a little bit better here or there? You know, that chatterbait's probably going to really excel when, um, the water's muddy, dirty, you know, it's got to give us all that vibration, but if the water's super clear, man, you know, and it's, it's, you got some calm waters or whatever, man, that shaky head probably can, you know. Especially if you got like a natural colored one. Brian throws this like really nice looking natural colored. I think it was a zoom, wasn't it? And um, all I remember is I'm throwing them at me in the boat. <laughs> the shaky heads? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Zoom trick worm. Well, well um, you know, you know, going to your point there, you know, I, I recall when I talked to Jody Queen about using the jackhammer chatterbait. You know, he said, you know, he's using it in more shallow water. And, you know, around here, you know, that's why I haven't actually tried the jackhammer yet because the fish ain't going to be up shallow right now. You know, they're deeper because it's colder. So, you know, I I have to wait till it warms up a little bit for that. But, man, kind of what Brian was saying earlier, though, like I've taken in so much knowledge so fast just from talking to all these different people and different anglers that, you know, I'm just excited to try all this different stuff all at once. And I guess that's one reason why I got so many techniques that I want to work on. Heck yeah, man. I dig it. It's only going to help take you to that next level, you know? Yeah. You know, it's just like, for me, I just had to keep it simple. That's why I choose one to try to gather as up, gather up as much information as I could. And I, I literally, from the time I bought those jigs, I, it's kind of funny. I, I fished those mainly over the Kitek, even when I was starting back in the rivers again. Um, you know, but you know, it, it worked real well. Cause at the time when, you know, when it starts to warm up the rivers, it's, it's a good time to switch to like crayfish pre- presentations as opposed to like a minnow presentation. Like, uh, smallmouth really kind of key in and feed like I don't want to say exclusively, but they really kind of start targeting the bottom more, uh, you know, in a sense during the summer when it warms up a little bit. But I mean, they'll still hit obviously Kitex. You just got to kind of get in, get them in the faster mover water. So, but um, yeah, man, you know, it'll be fun watching what everybody does this year. Brian says he's going to start cranking baits. He needs to with that six cents box. Yeah. Uh oh. 
Man, I got these things all over the house. I just realized <laughs> that the other day. I need to go through all my gear and get my stuff put together. Yeah. I've been slacking and too many, doing too many damn boat shows. What are you going to do? I know, man. I got this perfectly brand new dry suit and I haven't had a chance to take it out yet. I need to get Nakusa like at least one more time, man, because I'm about to sell it in the next couple of weeks. And we've got another show coming up here soon. Yeah, sell it to me. I could be a Jackson guy. You, you don't want that. You want a bonafide? No, yeah. get it. He wants a pedal drive, man. Well, Zakusa ain't a pedal drive. No, I know. I said, they you want a pedal, pedal drive? Yeah, hey, you were complaining about how bad <laughs> the wind. Listen, no, no, no. I'm gonna. I, it's fine because I complained about the same thing. You were talking about how bad that wind was, in the boat uh, traffic and the waves. The Kusa is just as bad as your vibe is when dealing with that stuff. So. You know, if if it, that's one thing you want to try to kind of start working against, that's it. Don't get a Kusa HD, man. Especially if you're in the lakes like that. I just wanted to be cool like everybody else and have a Jackson. You'll never be cool like everybody else. <laughs> Come up to the shop, man. I'll get you like that. Oh, hell. I'll get you in a cruise FD. That thing's like a little rocket ship. How big are those? Not very big. They're like the Kusa, a little bit smaller. They're fast. Man, hey, I'm I'm eyeballing that uh, bite. bite FD. Man, dude, I I, I like the bite when they ca- first came out last year, and now they got a pedal drive. But it, this is what I don't understand. And you might be able to help enlighten this since you're on the Jackson team and everything. How do you take a $800 boat, put a pedal drive in it, increase the price by like $1,400? Uh, because they, they put the new drive in it. Um, and the bite, the actual bite uh, angler, so they're doing a bite wreck boat and a bite angler package mm-hmm. this year and I I believe believe are they doing that in the fd as well uh no the bite fd is is the angler version uh but okay. with a pedal drive uh i believe the just regular bite is 900 bucks like 899 or something new uh maybe 799 yeah. i forget but um uh, it's 899 and the rex 799 Okay, that's what I thought. Excuse me. Um, so, with that being said, yeah, they put the new pedal drive in it. It comes with the new uh, Flex Drive uh, 3D, 3D drive, whatever. Um, which, you know, that, that was a question I got this past weekend was, um, what's the difference between the old drive and the new drive? And basically, they just took all the imperfections out of the old drive and um, just pretty much, you know, put a new drive out. Um, is it worth it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the new drives are super smooth. Um, you can maintain them a lot easier now and things like that. Um, they upgraded the seat um, 
there's a, a seat upgrade compared to the original bite. Um, and then, yeah, you got a rudder system plus the drive system. So that kind of makes up for the, the difference, which I believe the new bite FD is 2100, um, 2100 now. But I tell you what, man, that's a, a slick little boat. You might see somebody you know in one of those this year. Did somebody just have a jet start up in their bay? <laughs> I was wondering the same thing. Yeah, dude. <laughs> what was that? I'm in at the battlefield, bro. <laughs> was that your coffee maker? <laughs> no, I think somebody's in the shower. I forgot to tell the family I was on a podcast. <laughs> but no, uh, that that bite FD, it it does look like a sweet boat. You know it. Like I said last year when I was looking to upgrade, uh, I was kind of between the Vibe Sea Ghost and the Jackson Bite, and I actually wanted the Jackson Bite more. Yeah, it's just they they were new. You know, I was kind of looking for as cheap as I could get, and you know, it just came out, so it wasn't really anybody selling a used one yet. And I found a good price on the Sea Ghost, which you know I I, I like my Vibe. But, there's uh, uh there's a lot of 2019 models on sale right now through various kayak mm-hmm. um companies um dude, we have the coos hd i had at um at um del hollow for uh 2500 right now that's just 400 more than the bike and it's bigger and got better storage and gear tracks and everything Or are you gonna buy it? No, I'm getting a big rig. Ooh, <laughs> going big. You're so cool. <sighs> Not as cool as you. No. I mean, duh. <laughs> I I am curious about that. You know, I know we're pr- probably getting pretty long here, so probably need to wrap it up pretty soon. But I do want to ask. No, you're getting a big rig, but you primarily fish, you know, smaller rivers. Are you going to have a river boat as well? Yeah, I uh, am getting ready to sell mine, and my team boat will be the Kilroy HD. Mm. So I'm pretty excited. I'm really excited because I'm going to be taking Zach out with me. He's four, and um, I'm going to talk. I talked with Grimsley about building like a little seat for him um to put in the gear track and stuff so i'm pretty stoked about that so i wanted to try something different i had the option to do it um you know loveland was kind enough to let uh brad and i you know use a demo for the season i'll give it it'll go back to the shop you know in the fall to get sold as a demo but uh, I, I at first was trying to I, I was stuck on three three boats to kill hd the you pick and then i actually was considering the mayfly um but the the mayfly <laughs> the mayfly is very similar to my boat now it's a little bit it's kind of like a hybrid almost between if you took a coos hd and mixed it with almost like a liska and it's a little bit bigger and it has like but it had a lot of stuff that I really liked how clean and open the deck is. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, bless We're all sneezing here tonight. I know, dude. The coronavirus is seeping in the paddle and <laughs> Um, But 
I don't know. It was like I was so at when that Kilroy HD first came out, I was just like, dude, that thing looks awesome. Like all the gear tracks on it, like just everything about it. I like the only thing I was scared of. And I still am a little bit. It's just, it's, it's big, dude. It's not a traditional sit, sit inside kayak. It's 12 feet, 10 inches long, 36 inches wide. It weighs 15 pounds more than my boat now. And I'm like, good Lord. Like that's, that's a big, like, that's a big kayak really. You know, good lord, that's a lot of boat. It it really does look cool. I've never had an interest in a sit inside kayak, but that kayak does look pretty sweet. It's it's not really a sit inside. It just shaped like one. (laughs) Like everything (laughs) about it is uh, a sit on top. It just has the shape of it, but I think it's going to be, I'm super stoked. I, the thing is, is I do like the length of it. So if, if Zach is out there with me, it gives us both plenty of space and, you know, I I'm looking forward to getting them out on the water and taking them out in the rivers with me. So that's what I'll be, uh, I'll be picking up here in the next couple of weeks after the uh, Cincinnati show. Yeah, awesome. I, know, I know Nichols is been spending a lot of time in that boat and he just has nothing but great things to say about it for what he does down there in texas so yeah it's cool it'll be interesting to see how it performs in the rivers being as i mean i'm not really kind of even worried about it because i mean i have a friend who that i've been paddling with for from basically the start man and he he rolls a He's got a, a a feel-free lure 13 and a half, you know what I mean? And he's never really had any issues, even like on the Little Miami where it gets, you know, kind of tight and sketchy in some places. And, you know, as long, it's, it, I don't think it's going to be a huge difference. It'll be interesting, though, like, like storage-wise. It's going to be kind of way different than what I'm used to, so... Yeah, 13 and a half foot lure is a big boat. Yeah. Cool guys. Word. Word. It's been fun. Anybody got anything they want to add before we uh, close this out? No, nah, man. I'm just over here trying to make it, man. <laughs> you know, got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Make yeah, it. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> make it. Uh, well, thanks for having us on, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. Yeah, I appreciate thanks. the time. Thanks for coming on. Good conversation. Making it happen. We just making it, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Appreciate everybody listening. When you're feeling the burn, come here to learn. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I got to do some work on that. (laughs) When you're feeling the burn, come here to learn. That's so, so, neat. so creepy sounding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, later everybody. Peace. Go check out the website, guys. Paddle the letter N and fin.com. Also check out YouTube, youtube.com forward slash paddle and fin. 
If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're doing giveaways, announcements, things like that at Facebook and Instagram at paddle and fin. Shout out to our show supporters, Rocktown Adventures, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, Hammered Lures, Fish Mob Lures, TRC Covers, Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com. You can put the Paddle and Fin logo right on your catchboard. Don't forget to go over and pick up your Jig Masters jigs. Use promo code PNF20 and save 20% today. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. It helps grow the audience, helps others find our podcast. So please drop a five-star rating in on the podcast platform you're listening on. Don't forget about the recycled plastics program, you guys. Take your used plastic baits, put them in an envelope, mail them to the address in the show notes. Our man Eric Richards at Hammered Lures melts those down, makes new baits, and donates them to various chapters of Heroes on the Water. 